Hello and welcome to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Those were the words of American poet and playwright Robert Frost. As I think about these words, I couldn't help but wonder how many of us come oftentimes to the crossroads of life and choose the easy way out, justifying our actions with sayings such as, we don't want to rock the boat, we want to play it safe, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So we stay on the sidelines of life, playing it safe until our time on earth is up. Today on the Time with Fred podcast, we discuss this all-important subject with my special guest. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's Time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. So joining me today on the Time with Fred podcast is our special guest, Dwight Edwards. Dwight is a founder and president of Vanilla Busters, LLC. He's a best-selling author, professional speaker, and high-performance coach at River Oaks Country Club in Houston, Texas. Vanilla Busters is a company dedicated to helping individuals, companies, and teams achieve peak performance and extraordinary living. Dwight has authored eight books, among which are Say No to Vanilla, which is what we're going to be discussing today, so you definitely want to stay tuned for this one. The Five Keys to Living Life at Full Throttle, and A Tale of Three Ships. Formerly a professional tennis player and having spent more than 30 years as a life and executive coach, Dwight brings a wealth of experience and wisdom in dealing with human behavior and peak performance. He's spoken for the last 30 years throughout the United States, is giving presentations at Yale, Princeton, Vanderbilt, Rice, Texas A&M, the Air Force Academy, West Texas A&M, and several other universities and high schools. Dwight, thank you so much for coming on the Time with Fred podcast today. Thank you, Fred. Excited to be with you guys. Thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine. So, Dwight, I was um, I happened to be listening to to you. I think it was one of those high octane videos, and and this particular topic of vanilla bastards, and that that's what we're going to be talking about today from your book. And I must be the first to admit that my favorite flavor when it comes to ice, <laughs> is right? So, and, and I, I just play it safe, right? We go out and you know, my phone try something else. Like, no, this is what I want. Let me just stick with it. But for the very first time. From Saturday, we went out to this ice cream place, and I was tempted again to go with a familiar, what I know, right? But then I remembered your video, and I decided to go against the grain, and I got Uh something that I'd never gotten before. This was Georgia peach, and this was by far one of the best flavors um, I've ever had. So, yes, (laughs) there is something more than life. There is more to life than uh, than vanilla. But let's let's bring it back here. And I I think it goes... And of course, a lot of the things um, you know you said in that video. But talk to us about vanilla busters. Exactly, what does that mean? Well, um, I have a uh, a desire, and that is this: that before I die, I want there to be a word in the dictionary that is not presently there. And so, if you look in any dictionary, you will search in vain to find the word vanilla buster. Uh, but language is fluid. It changes. So as I understand it, game changer wasn't used until the 1980s. Uh, Jaw dropping wasn't used until the 1970s. So I'm hoping that before I die, uh, it'll be a phrase that describes somebody who's who's 
not willing to live an ordinary, no risk, uh, just vanilla life, just going along. And, and basically, I like to put it is that they, they found what they were meant to do and they played their part to the hilt. They, they drain dry that talent passion mix that God places within all of us. Um, and so, and, and, and the reality is that most vanilla busters, they do live extraordinary epic lives, but most of the time they're never heard of. They're the little league coach. They're the first grade teacher. Um, they're just the, this person that has found what they absolutely love to do. They do it to the best of their ability. They drain dry what God's given them to work with. And sometimes they're remembered, but many, many times they're not. But that doesn't mean they're any less significant than the vanilla busters that we hear of. Hmm. And then you have those who go through uh, Live Dwight who subscribe to the notion that, you know, whatever will be, will be. Let's not rock the boat. You know, let's let's play it safe. Staying broke, don't fix it, right? And so they live lives just not giving anything because they believe that somehow destiny or chance, whatever that is, is going to happen to them. Um, how how do how do you how do you respond to that? Well, you know, I, I think you, you, part of it is just stepping back and saying, you know, you only get one shot at this thing called life. Hmm. Now, what what do I want to do with it? Do do I do I really? want to just play safe. Another way to think of it, what do you want said at your funeral? Hmm. What would you, do you really want said at your funeral, so-and-so played safe at every turn, hmm. never upset anybody, uh, they were so easy to get along with, you know, on and on it goes, no, you know, is you, you want to have a sense of, you know, that they, they played their part to the hilt, you know. So I love this quote by Thoreau. He said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation mm. and go to the grave with a song still in them. Mm. And, and, and so that's what we mean by Vanilla Buster. Vanilla Buster has found that unique song that he or she was meant to sing and has played it to the hilt. Mm. Um, and, and, and settling for anything less than that. Uh, I like to put it this way. Um, so many people think that, you know, if I can just make it through life and uh, minimal discomfort, yeah. a good amount of money, uh, basically, you know, that I'm flying first class. And the reality is you're not even close to playing for, flying first class if that's your goal in life. Yeah. You're right. Uh, you know, oftentimes the, the uh, you know, and we all have a longing for comfort. We all have a longing for, you know, smooth sailing at yeah. one sense. I want to suggest we all have deeper than that a longing to do something significant with our lives. Yes. I mean, everybody has that, I think. And, and sometimes we drown it out. Sometimes we anesthetize, but it never goes away. Yeah. It never goes away. Yeah. I think it was Einstein, um, who this quote is attributed, and maybe several others, that, uh, that one of the greatest tragedies of a person is to die um, while, while they're still living or with the dream still, still living in them. And, and like you rightly said, for, for whatever reason, there are those who may have tried in the past or failed, or there are those who, you know, may have been uh, criticized, right, or mocked by others, you know, perhaps questioned. And so they, they kind of drown themselves, right, in maybe past experiences, past failures, or, or, or limiting beliefs or opinions of others. How do they then break away from, from, from that shackle, right, or whether it's a limiting mindset, whatever, to step out to say, look, this is, this is what I have, I'm going to, it's do or die, right? It, 
sometimes it's a, it's, it's a battle, really, just stepping out of, you know, whatever, whatever mindset that may be limiting a lot of people. Okay, I, that's such a great, great question. Um, the, the book I wrote before I wrote uh, Say No to Vanilla was called The Tale of Three Ships. And uh, the idea behind this was that as we go through life, I think we, we all end up on one of three ships, and probably we end up on all the ships at one time or another. Hopefully we are on the last ship most of the time. But the first ship is the, is the sinking ship. And the goal of life there is just survival. We're just trying to make it from job to job, paycheck to paycheck. And sometimes that's spectacular living. I don't want to take that away. You know, sometimes just getting out of bed is epic living. Uh, but it, most of the time, it doesn't have to be just that. Um, the second ship is the ship that I think, particularly our American culture, most people think that they want to be on, and it's the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. And the goal of life is unbridled enjoyment. You know, we're just going to have as much fun as we can while we're here, make as much money as we possibly can, um, you know, uh, taste as, as uh, the, the best that this world has to offer, on and on. But I want to suggest that the ship that makes us most alive as a human being is the third ship, and that's the battleship. Wow. The battleship is remarkably different than the other two ships. It is on course. It's on mission. It's resourced. It's cutting through the waters. It's moving against the wind. It knows why it's here. It's here for a purpose. And so um, one of the things I, I like to say is that so often what it is, is having the courage to go down deep enough within to say, you know what? I can't fight this any longer. I think this is what I was meant to do. This is what I'm, and I would say it takes tremendous courage to get yes. there. Uh, because so so often on the way down, practicality comes in and says, yes. if you if you went for that, you'd never make any money. If you went for that, your family would would disown you basically. Now let's let's be careful to say these are all you know noble things, good things, and so forth. Um, but it's basically I, I like to call this your extraordinary dream. Yeah. Uh, Solzhenitsyn at age fourteen said. I knew I was born to write. Yeah. Now, most people don't find that as, uh, as early as he did, but there's no doubt that's what Solzhenitsyn was meant to do. Yeah. Others are here to uh, develop a new recipe. Others are here to uh, make a new invention. I mean, on and on it, it goes. So, um, you know, I think it's just having the courage. I think that's really a key word. It's having the courage to go down deep inside and touch bottom and say, you know what? I just, I, I can't shake it any longer. Yeah. Here's what I was meant to do. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a while to get yeah. there. I, I do agree, Dwight. I do agree that majority of us come to that point in life where we know for a fact what we're called to do, right? But somehow, no. like you rightly said, um, that, that courage factor, that fear factor, right, um, kind of stops us and, 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 and it's, it's so important, and this is really what this whole podcast is about, right? To challenge people to overcome some of those paradigms of mindset, whatever form or shape they, they may come in. Uh, but the step to really step out of the boat, if you were Peter, Jesus, if you were, right. you know, me to come to you. And we step out of this boat for those of us who are able to and realize, oh gosh, it's, it's, not, it's not as bad after all, right? Uh, but we start to look around and we're reminded of all the failings of our of our past and, and why so and so didn't succeed and what we're going and we allow those fears right to to get down in and then kind of derail us. Um, 
how, how do we stay the course, right? I mean, for those who are able to step outside of the boat, who are able to, to decide to say, okay, here I am, uh, I'm going to do this. Right. Um, but then for some reason, you know, whatever happens, whether the naysayers coming or the critics coming and, or, or whatever, and then, and then start, how, how do we stay the course, Dwight, when we, um, on our journey towards accomplishing all that we're meant to be? Well, you know, again, I, I, I would put it this way, you know, what, we're, we're not trying to figure out something exciting to do with our life. We're trying to simply respond to what's already found us. So I like to put it this way. You will not find your extraordinary dream. Your extraordinary dream will find you. Love it. Um, and that's why, you know, you take, you, you, you know, you, you take uh, stock of what your, our gift, talent, passion mix is. Um, you know, I would, I would love to be a great singer. It will never happen. It will not matter how many uh, voice lessons I take. It will not matter what kind of surgery they do on my vocal cords. I will never be a great singer. I have an awful voice for singing and so forth. Um, but on the other hand, when I write and I speak, something happens. And, you know, I didn't go looking for that. It's it really, you know, as I was growing up as a tennis player, this is kind of the last thing in the world I thought that, you know, I would end up doing. Um, but I have to say, you know, it's just something happens inside, you know, when it's writing or speaking and you you feel like I found just a kind of a unique way to say it. Um, you know, for those of us, of us who are faith-based, I mean, I, I think a big part of this is saying, you know, what's the, the dream that God has for you? That's the real issue. Why has he put us on this planet? And then recognizing whatever he's called us to, he's going to do it through us. That's right. You know, and it's just so important to realize, you know, I, I'm, I'm not in this boat alone. You know, that, that what he's called me to do, he's at the helm of the ship. He's steering it. He's, you know, ultimately my great calling is just to keep in step with where he's heading and what he wants to do through me, yeah. which I think is so bad. Yeah. One of the things I forgot to mention to our, to our audience is that you are actually a professional tennis player as well. And you met, you met some of the great legends of tennis like Arthur Ashe and, uh, and, yeah. and several others. But, uh, but, but going back to it, you, you said something which I thought um, was very, very poignant and very significant. That we don't discover our dreams, so we don't find our dreams, but then our dreams find us. This takes me back to one of the powerful stories you shared about a friend of yours, um, but with that dog that had arthritis, right? Uh, that hunting dog. I'm not going to give it all. Let you tell that story. But okay. have you heard the click of the gun? Can you tell that story to our audience? Sure. Uh, I've got a friend um, who has got a dog that's like a zillion years old. And why he hasn't put the dog down, I'm, I'm not sure. But the dog is riddled with arthritis. Riddled with arthritis. And you go over to his house and you see that poor dog trying to make its way to this water bowl. Uh, and back, and it's just, it's painful to watch. The poor dog just barely, barely is able to make it. But when my friend goes to his shotgun cabinet and he opens up the cabinet and the dog hears the click of the shotgun, something happens. Hmm. Eyes get brighter, ears go up, he begins moving around, and my friend takes him out hunting. And while they're out there hunting, you would never know that he has an ounce of arthritis anywhere in his body. He's full stretch the whole time, comes back home, the shotgun gets put away, and he returns to being the poor, pitiful creature that he is. Mm. Now, why does that happen? Well, it's very simple. Because he's a hunting dog. Mm. Parents didn't teach it to hunt. He didn't go to school to learn how to hunt. It's in his DNA. It's what God made him. Mm. I've got another friend, 
and he has a dog, and this dog at family reunions cannot rest until everybody's at the same table together. As long as people are moving around, as long as people are in different rooms, this dog is going back and forth just seeing where everybody is. Get everybody together at the table at one time, and he can go over and lay down in the corner and rest for the first time. Now, what's the deal there? Well, we all know. He's a herding dog. He didn't go to school to learn how to herd. His parents didn't teach him how to herd. It's what he was made to do. It's wow. in his DNA. Wow. The family, the shot, the, 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 the shotgun means nothing to him, and family reunions mean nothing to the other dog. And I would just simply ask the question that I asked myself and I asked others, have you heard the click of the shotgun for you? Mm. For you. Because it's there. It's absolutely, absolutely there. Wow. In, in the movie Braveheart, there's a great part where uh, at the end of his life, um, uh, William Wallace is about to, to lose his life because he found what he was made to do. And, and he pursued it with all, all that he had. Ultimately, it cost him his life. Um, and uh, the queen comes and tries to offer him some, uh, uh, something to help take away the pain or whatever. Mm-hmm. He refuses it. And she makes a statement. She says, but you'll die. If, if you don't recant, you'll die. And great response is this. All men die, but not all men live. Wow. And I think that's what we're saying. Everybody's going to die. The question is, this little nanosecond that we have on this planet we call life, are we going to live it to the hilt? Are we going to say no to vanilla? Are we going to be the best that we were meant to be and have the courage to go down and find that? Or are we going to stay on the cruise ship or on the sinking ship and just exist? Wow. Wow. That's why I love the, I love the quote that you give from Robert uh, Frost, you know, about the two roads. Yeah. It, it's, it's so, so apropos to what we're talking about. And, and, and we all do. I mean, we all come across, you know, those diverging roads and kind of wonder, right? right? Do, we, do we go, do we play it safe or, or, do, we, or do we go um, on the road that's less traveled? In your book, you... You describe two groups of people or two, two ways of, uh, I guess, going through life. You talk about living life and you talk about existing. And the third one that I, I hear quite a bit these days is maintaining, right? You talk to somebody, hey, how are you doing? I, I'm just maintaining, whatever that means. But can you describe the difference? Because sometimes we, we use these words very loosely, not paying attention to exactly what, oh, I'm, I'm just living life, right? We have those who are actually living and then you have those who are just merely or barely existing. Can you describe those two people? Well, that's a great point. Um, and, and the way I like to, to think of it is there is something in your gift, talent, passion mix that will bring a brighter light to your eye, a stronger spring to your step, will launch you out of bed in the morning like nothing else. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who's found what that is. Too many people are existing. Too many people are maintaining. And a lot of times is they think that's the best life has to offer. Uh, that's one reason I, I, I love reading biographies and autobiographies. Um, you know, interesting thing happened to me when I was in fifth grade, and that is uh, we had a reading contest. And uh, for whatever reason, that's the year that I became interested in reading. So I read 120 books. I buried the rest of the class. I, I was the clear-cut winner. But every book was either a biography or an autobiography, every single book. 
And there was this steady stream of extraordinary lives that I was reading day in and day out. Something happened there. Mm. And I realized, you know what? A lot of people choose to exist, but these people chose not to exist. Mm. They chose to live. They chose to go for broke. They chose to take the risks. And, and, and it, I think it was along that line that I said, you know, I, I want to do something extraordinary in my life. You know, tennis was what I thought it was going to be. It didn't turn out that way. But, um, you know, I don't regret, you know, going back and just saying, hey, you know, this is, this is what I'm throwing all the marbles on, you know, um, so forth. So I've often said if, if a school district would grant me one request, it would be this, that as early as possible, your students would read one biography a month. Because there's just something about seeing extraordinary lives day in, day out, that says that, that helps to raise the level of what we're going to do with our lives. Yeah. Like you said, Fred, too, too many people exist, too many people maintain. And there's a time for existing and there's a time for maintaining. And I don't want to take away the fact that life is hard. And sometimes putting one faltering foot in front of the next is spectacular living. Yeah. I don't want to take that away for a moment. Wow. Too, too often we settle for that as the norm when it doesn't have, have to be. Hmm. Dwight, what would you say then um, are some of the traits of vanilla busters? What do they have that makes them different from everybody okay. else? Great question. That's what my, my book, Say No to Vanilla, is entirely about. And um, kind of the idea behind the book was, you know, when Jim Collins wrote Good to Great, he takes a thousand plus companies and he says, uh, okay, of these thousand companies, here's 10, here's 11 that do things better than anybody else. That's why they're not good. That's why they're great. And I want to, basically, I did the same thing with individual lives. Instead of companies, I did it with individual lives. I said, what are the common threads of an uncommon life? What, what, what do they tend to have in common? So I come up with five things. This is my own personal opinion, but I've gotten really good feedback on it. Um, and the big five are this, and I would just say this. These five are what make a great lawyer. They're what make a great doctor. They're what make a great speaker. They're what they make, make a great teacher. I mean, on and on it goes. So number one is passion. Hmm. Um, you can be good at something without being passionate, but you can't be great. Hmm. Cannot be great without passion. And the passion comes from having landed on that unique thing that we're called to do. No, nothing releases passion in the human soul like finding what you were meant to do and then playing it to the hill. Uh, number two is creativity. Uh, it's a willingness to think outside the box, but it also means having respect for the box. And I think that's an important balance. Uh, just because something is inside the box doesn't mean it's not the best. Right. But vanilla busters are willing to, tr to, to move outside the box to see if there might not be a better way to do it. The third is, is simply uh, courage. And it's, it's uh, the risk-taking tolerance. Uh, people who live extraordinary lives are risk-takers. I mean, just pure and simple. Nobody lived an extraordinary life without taking risks. It's just not, not possible. Now, you combine that with the last two, which are just as crucial as the first three. And the, uh, the fourth one is diligence. It's the sweat equity. Uh, uh, Thoreau put it this way, you have built uh, castles in the air, that is good. Now put foundations mm. beneath them. And what it was, it's great to have the theory, it's great to have the dream, but no dream is ever accomplished without the foundation of relentless, relentless um, 
hard work. Wow. And then that leads to the final thing, and that is um, perseverance. It's, it's the uh, willingness to just continue on, continue on, continue on, uh, and never say die. So I think that those five really do a, a good job of, of encapsulating a, um, a vanilla buster. There's other things that could have been added, uh, but I, I, I tried to narrow it down to as few as possible. And I, if you're missing any of those five, I, I don't think you, you're going to be able to qualify as a vanilla buster. If, if, if you were to ask me which of these five, I mean, all these are, I can relate to every single one of them. I, but the diligence and perseverance, um, and I could be wrong here, but in my opinion, just based on my interactions with other people and just, you know, um, just experiences, uh, diligence and perseverance is where a lot of us drop the ball because we start something. A lot of us have those great ideas, right? We, we have the passion, we're creative, and I know people who are, they they're very passionate, very great ideas, very creative. They start something, and then somewhere along the line, something happens, right? They lack that diligence or that stick to as I'd like to put it, um, or that follow-through, right? And then they, nine-day wonder, starts a year or two, whatever, and then, and then we drop off the treadmill. Or we start, and then we run into an obstacle, you know, right. something happens, and then we give it up, right? How does one keep going? Um, in spite of those setbacks or obstacles? Well, I love the quote by Thomas Edison. Uh, he said that um, so many people fail because they don't realize how close they were to succeeding when they gave up. Mm. And I, I think that's one thing to remember is, you know, it may just be around the corner. I love to tell the story of Theodore Giesel. He is, uh, was Dr. Zeus. Dr. Zeus, yep. And um, so he had, you know, come up with the idea of Dr. Zeus and uh, he took his first book to be published. He went to 28 publishers and got turned down. The first 28 publishers said, no, this will never fly. And, uh, but he kept going, he kept going. At, he'd been turned down by the 28th publisher. <clears throat> and he's walking down the street. And he happens to <clears throat> run into his old roommate from Harvard. And they start talking. And uh, his roommate asks him, says, well, uh, Theodore, what are you doing these days? And he, Theodore says, well, I've got this idea for children's books, but I just can't find anybody who, who thinks it's going to fly. And, 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 and what are you doing these days? And the guy says, well, um, I own my own publishing company. Give me your book. And he took the book, and it was the greatest decision he ever made as a publisher, published it. And sure enough, Dr. Zeus is off and left. Wow. Suppose he quit at 27. Suppose he quit at 26. Yeah. Blamed him. But it's that relentless, relentless refusal to give up. Yeah. Uh, in my book, Say No to Vanilla, the, the final chapter is on one of, what I think is one of the great vanilla busters, uh, Rudy Rutinger, who was the star of the movie Rudy. Yep. And you talk about somebody who absolutely refused to give up. You know, it's just a great, great picture. So um, I think it's, it's, it's almost impossible to overestimate the power of stick to itness. Yeah. The, the amazing power of perseverance. And it's just, there's so many good reasons to give up. And, and again, everything has its balance. And sometimes, yes, it's it, the wisest thing to do is to give up. But be sure that you've played it out, you know, before that, that actually happens. You know, it's, um, so again, they, they, they start or we start and then we, you know, maybe we run to, you talk about, um, you know, Dr. Seuss's example, for instance, right? Maybe you, you know, fail once, fail twice, fail three times, four, 
15 times and they rationalize it. This must not be it. You know, you can't just, you know, this is a clear sign that this is not going to work, right? And so we justify our desire to stop with the fact that we've tried quite a number of times and we fail. Or perhaps it's, it's someone telling us, you know, how long is it going to take you to learn this lesson, right? Um, that's what makes it difficult for a lot of us, right? Oh, well, that's a clear sign that this must not be meant to be. But we can talk about countless of people who, you know, Edison, for instance, how many times, right? Einstein, how many times did they, Colonel Saunders, how many times did they try, but then kept going? And, and, I, I, and this is some, something that I like to say. Yeah, I think in life sometimes you got to dare to be a little crazy. Napoleon Hill yes. um, tells a story. No, I think it was uh, Marconi is a guy who invented the wireless system, um, wireless with communication. You may be familiar with the story. And, and as a kid, he was a nerd, a science student. He loved science and tech. And his dad, you know, put him in, you know, the best school and everything. He just liked, loved to tinker. And so he came up with the idea of coming up with a device that could communicate uh, without wires. And his own friends had him placed in custody and had him, had him checked out in a psychopathic <laughs> ward because they thought he was crazy for coming up with that, that idea. Well, long story short, it was them, his friends, who ended up being proved wrong. He came up with the idea, and today we have the wireless communication system. He dared to be a little crazy. So again, there are some, and I use crazy here anecdotally, right? But you got to dare to be a little crazy sometimes when you're, when you're talking about exactly. dreams, right? What's your you know, response? I love telling the, the story of Thomas Edison that you yeah. referred to. You know, when he went to develop the filament that would be commercially feasible for the light bulb, um, literally they went through 10,000 experiments. I mean, they tried 10,000 different things that didn't work. And very famous story, after the 10,000th, his assistant came up and said, um, Mr. Edison, we have now tried 10,000 different filaments. Not one of them have, have worked. It's been a complete failure. And uh, Edison looks at him with the most stunned uh, look. He says, failure? What do you mean? We've had wonderful success. We positively know 10,000 things that don't work. How can you call that a failure? Three weeks later, they found what they needed. Wow. And the light bulb was born. So um, it's all about perspective there, right? Perspective. It's, it's all about perspective. I think perspective determines everything. Uh, and that's why, you know, we, we need the, the stories of the people who've gone before us and they've taken the risks and they've endured to the end. And they've shown that, you know, um, life is meant to be lived, not just to exist. Uh, you know, we've talked about before. Hmm. Another story that, that comes to mind, we could talk about stories all day, but, um, I think this was in uh, Kofi County, uh, Alabama, you know, in the 1800s where um, the, the boll weevil had emerged on the scene and was eating a lot of uh, the cotton fields and the yeah. farmers were so frustrated. And, and um, I think someone had decided uh, for them to try peanuts. And it turned out that the weevils didn't love peanuts. And so they tried peanuts and peanuts ended up being one of the major income um, uh, I guess boosters for 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 for, for Coffee County, right. and so you'd have thought that they would have been fixated, and they actually erected a monument in honor of the boll weevil. And you wonder why would you erect a monument to honor something that really destroyed you? And their their explanation was that no, it was through the destruction we found our prosperity. So even in the midst of the trial and tribulations, even in the midst of all that pain and the suffering, we can find 
a dream. And again, it goes back to what we talked about, right? Perspective. And, and right, as we bring it, you know, we relate it to what we're going right now. Again, COVID, right? It, it's, it's always there, right? We talk about, we're seeing the, the harmful effect. We're seeing the death toll. We're seeing the, the lives that have been lost. We're not done playing any of that, right? And the media and all of that. And somehow all we see is the doom and gloom. But somehow, if we change our perspective, a lot of good can come out of that, right? How, how, do we, how do we, again, shift that paradigm to start seeing beyond, you know, all the negative and stuff that's been thrown at us uh, in, in, in the form of COVID? Yeah. Well, I think it's good to remember, we're not the first generation that's lived through a pandemic. Mm. We're not the first generation, you know, that has lived through a world war. Uh, you know, others have gone on before us. They've shown it that it, it can be done. And who is it that we remember? We don't remember the people who threw in the towel. What we remember is the people who just put one foot in front of the other and they just kept pressing on and pressing on and pressing on, sometimes at high cost uh, to themselves. And so I, I would just say, um, you know, certainly we all wish COVID wasn't here, but it's here. But it's not a good enough excuse to not live an extraordinary life. Don't put your life on hold for some stupid disease. Uh, now, be wise, obviously, uh, but nonetheless, it, it you know, doesn't mean that we go into hiding uh, until you know, everything is safe. Because if it's not, it, something's going to take the place of COVID. I mean, life, it, life itself is never 100% safe. Yeah. You just, you're not going to find it. If, you, if we, if we want to live an extraordinary life, it's going to cost. Yeah. There's no way to live an extraordinary life without taking hits, without it costing personally. But this is where, you know, part of it is we, we step back and say, you know, what do I want to be remembered for? You know, what's, what's the legacy I want to leave my children? But when they think of me, what, what do I want them to be thinking of? Surely it's not he played safe at every turn. Now, there's a difference, obviously, between being brave and being um, careless. So we're not saying go to the other extreme of just, you know, throw caution to the wind and never, you know, think about wisdom. Everything has, has its balance, but um, I, I think the vast majority of us, well, here, here's a great illustration on this. So a couple of years ago, they did a survey of over a thousand men and women who were 80 and above. And they had uh, uh, several questions, but one of the questions was this, what is it that you most regret about your 80 years uh, on earth. What If you had to do it over again, what would you do differently? What do you think that they would have said? You're 80 years old, you look back and say, you know, here's the thing that I wish I'd done differently. I wish I'd traveled more. I wish I'd spent more time at home and not the office. You know what the answer was? The runaway answer? It was, I wish I had risked more. Wow. The number one answer for those 80 and above was as I look back on my life, I wish I had risked more. Risking is the endorphins of life. Stop risking and you stop living. Wow. Now, again, risk wisely, but it doesn't take away the fact that, you know, as you mentioned so, so eloquently, uh, sometimes it's going to make you look crazy. Yeah. Wow. People thought Columbus was out of his mind. Yeah. But he, he, he Wow. Dwight, as we kind of start wrapping up here. One of the questions I like to ask um, all of my guests um, is, is, is what defines them. And I've heard a myriad of answers, uh, but I mean, you've lived it. I mean, you've been a pastor, you've been an author, you're a speaker, you're tennis, you've, 
you've, you've, you've done it all. If those, if those one thing that defines you, uh, well, what would you say that is? That's a great question, Fred. Um, you know, I, I think what, and you know, this is just my own personal faith pilgrimage, but what, what defines me is what Jesus Christ is able to do mm. with a piece of clay that just will put himself in, in his hands. Uh, all the good in my life, whatever it's been, has, has come from him, has come through him, has come for him. And um, so I, I, it, it, I don't give this as a religious answer. Yeah. I don't give this as a Sunday school answer. Right. It's just reality. Yeah. Uh, apart from Jesus, I'm nothing. Yeah. I'm absolutely nothing. But, uh, I'm surprised at my life. <laughs> Candidly, <laughs> I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I got an, an email from a, a uh, fellow high school student and she watched a video of me speaking and the, 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 and the, the email she sent to me, it only had these words. What happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> Why that words, question? Because I was awful speaker. I hated speech, you know, and so forth. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, God gives gifts, and um, I would just say that uh, what's, what's defined me, hopefully, is Jesus being able to take those gifts and uh, look through me in some form, some fashion. I can totally relate. I can totally relate. As, as, a, as a faith person, uh, I don't know what else we could do uh, yeah, besides that. I have no other yeah. answer. Yeah, yeah. If you are to look back on life, um, if there was one thing that you'd do differently, other than risking more, obviously, <laughs> what would that be? <laughs> Um, you know what? I would have taken advantage of people around me who were wiser, who had much to offer, and, and, and I never took, really took advantage of it. You know, I would have drawn off the wisdom of older people, uh, whether they were tennis pros that had gone on before me, whether they were uh, fellow pastors, um, you know, just just different people. I I I think there was a, a wealth of um, of wisdom out there that I I didn't really take full advantage of. And mm-hmm. so I think you know, what I think you you can learn something from everybody. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And um, you know, I regret. I think I think I was too arrogant to you know really take advantage of a lot of those situations. Where I, I, I could have availed myself of some great wisdom. But you've done great. I mean, look at the, the significant amount of influence that you're that you're having on the world. Really, I mean, I this is this is great. I mean, I I watched, I listened to that short three minute video of um, Have you heard the click of a gun? And it and it literally brought tears to my eyes because it, yeah. it spoke to something that I was going through. Um, so you 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 inspire lives, and I think that's that's really the greatest gift um, you ever brought. So I want to personally say thank you. Um, for who you are, just allowing your your life to be um, to, to be to be such an influence on your humanity. Well, Fred, thank you. That, Absolutely, I so appreciate that very much. If there's someone watching or listening to this podcast right now, uh, they may you know find themselves in in one of these five continuums, whether you know passion, creativity, courage, diligence, and perseverance, maybe stuck somewhere. Uh, or maybe someone who's not even started at all, or maybe some who are on the sinking ship, some who are on the cruise ship, yeah. and some who are on the battleship. Um, if you were to talk to someone or speak to someone right now, what do you say to them? You know, Arthur Ashe, he wrote a book called Days of Grace, and he, uh, he has a great answer to that question. I think. 
And let me see if I get it right. It's three things. Is it's number one, start where you are. Mm. Just start where you are. Don't try to pretend you're not where you are. Just start where you are. <clears throat> number two, work with what you have. You know, we all have something to work with as, 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 as small as it may be. We still have something. So I, I like this right. Start where you are, work with what you have. And then number three is take the next step. Don't worry about step number two. Don't worry about step number three. Just take the next step. Uh, you know, that's, I think, awfully good wisdom. I think the Bible would definitely uh, support each, each of those. Yeah. Start where you are, work with what you have, take the next step. Truer words have never been said. Uh, Dwight, finally, where do folks find your book? I know it's on Amazon, right? Say no to vanilla. And, and uh, I just read as little bit of it, the introduction and a bit, bit of chapter one, and I'm going back to go get this book. What, where do folks find this book? Well, you know, Amazon is the, is the easiest. Uh, the website is, is uh, vanillabusters.com. Okay. Uh, that'll give you, you can buy it off the website if you, if you wish. Uh, and it also just give you more information on, you know, kind of what we're about. And also, uh, it's got some um, sample videos. Uh, it has descriptions of different vanilla busters throughout history. So uh, vanillabusters.com would be it. And it's going to be on the, it's going to be on the screen for those watching. Okay. Uh, but, right. but I love this, Dwight. I want to say thank you so much for coming on the Time with Fred podcast. You've definitely giving us, me personally, a lot of things to chew on, to identify where I am on one of those three ships uh, and where I am as far as those traits of vanilla bastards. But most importantly, to start where you are, to work with what you have, and then take the next step. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Fred. Sure enjoyed being with you. Yes, pleasure is all mine. And until next time, stay well. Thank you. See you later, Fred.